We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Thinks, we're talking basketball with TSN broadcaster Kayla Gray. And by basketball, I mean we do a deep dive on the Toronto Raptors, what it's been like covering them during COVID, how Fred Van Vliet has evolved, and that Messiah Jury is looking for more rings. We also talk about what to expect before the NBA trade deadline, Doc Rivers' mental health, and Kayla's groundbreaking career in Canada as the first black woman to host a national highlight show, and she has done so much more since that moment. We're sipping on Margs because it's 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. Why not, eh? This is Drinks with Binks. Hey guys, welcome on into Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. It's been an exciting week in sports so far. We had the College Football National Championship, Georgia beating Alabama. We've got the NFL playoffs, and of course, we've got the NBA heating up. We saw Clay Thompson come back uh, to the Warriors. The last time he played was against boom the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals. And let me tell you, I still cannot believe that the Raptors won the NBA Finals. Feels like a fever dream, but. Everything has gone kind of crazy for the Raptors since then. Losing Kawhi and Kyle Lowry and playing in Tampa Bay and now playing with no fans in Canada. And to help us get some more insight into the Raptors and the NBA season and to tell us more about her groundbreaking career, I'm very excited to welcome on fellow Canadian TSN broadcaster, host and executive producer of The Shift, Kayla Gray. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on everything you, you have accomplished. Oh, thank you. And here I am going to bring the bad news of all the things Toronto as we are still in this lockdown. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Continuous lockdown. Cheers. And what do we have here? I'm having a nice spicy margarita. Um, no judgment zone. I tried to be real cute too. I had like a little sliver of, of jalapeno, nice little spicy salted brim. I know how you guys do on your podcast, so I tried to come come correct. That is really fancy. I love that. And I was going to go mocktail, but then I was like, no, I got to bring the sauce. No. I got a little, I got a little something, something in here too. So cheers to you. Cheers. And, mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I should have mixed that one in. Yeah. But let's get going. It's 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. We're Canadian. I was about to say, do they know it's 10 a.m.? <laughs> All right. So Kayla, uh, so we're shooting on this on a Wednesday. Raptors just coming off the loss to Phoenix last night. Uh, some great video on Twitter just of the fact that there's no one at Scotiabank Place and the mascot's still going. The big inflatable Raptor guys is making his rounds around. What has it been like 
broadcasting. Let's just start with this season for the Raptors. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to explain to people uh, the the mental toll that comes with, you know, you have a, a team, they've played in Tampa, finally they come back to a full capacity arena. So that first day, it's been 600 days since, you know, 18,000 fans have seen their home team watch uh, you know, watch their home team on their home court. And it was like one of the wildest days ever because there's energy, there's music, there's vibes, there's all of the, all these things. And then we slowly watch it go to half capacity and then we watch it go to nobody. Um, and it, it was, it's just sad. It, it, it's not that it's dead. I think that, um, you know, the, the team itself, they do a really good job of finding ways to, to inspire themselves and to get that energy. And actually it's been a really weird season where they've done really well on on the road to start and then they started sort of picking things up at home in December but now they're in a flow and there's nobody at home to watch them in said flow so now they, they're heading out on the road right but I think from a broadcasting standpoint you know this like the level of energy like you have to be on and you know I think I take for granted when you're around so many different people that kind of feeds into that energy that you want to bring on camera and so you almost have to like find your own energy in that way. Um, and so, yeah, I gotta be honest, like when I get home, I'm like zonked because it's just like, you're, you're trying to manufacture a vibe and energy and still kind of deliver to the, to the audience as well. Can completely relate as someone who's been broadcasting from home for almost yeah. two years. But you do mention how it's been, it has been different for the Raptors and that they've, they've found ways to continue on despite sort of the adversity and the different circumstances, what stood out about how they have handled the ups and downs of having no fans there, mm -hmm. you know, being in Tampa, just all these different circumstances that no one else has had to deal with that maybe has made them a better team. Yeah. I think that what always I'm always in awe of is the young guys and the buy-in. Um, you know, this is a team that wants to establish a winning culture here um, that does, you know, get hung up on losses as teams should, um, but just wants to show up at the best capacity when it comes to what quality they put onto the court. Um, you know, obviously that's led through Fred Van Vliet. And I think what helps is you have Fred, you have Pascal, you have OG players, and even Gary too, that know the Tampa experience. And it's like, they don't want to go back to Tampa. They don't want to go back to not having that. And and I think when they were struggling at home, you know, there was heavy frustration. I think the players weren't even quiet about it. Like, you don't take these moments and this energy for granted. And then I think the young guys really started to understand exactly what that meant. Um, and then ever since then, there's just been this, this level of buy-in um, and I think everyone has sort of elevated their game in a way. I think obviously we have Scotty Barnes, who is going to be a superstar in this league. But for him, you know, the buy-in of trying out different positions. Now he's kind of one of those players that is taking up the ball up the court, right? And handling the point guard role at some times. And he's a rookie and he's and he's embraced that and he's he's risen to the challenge and he's more than delivered. Now I'll also say, of course, as you know, Julie, we've gone through it with our health and safety protocols. At a point there were like 10 players in health and safety protocols. Yeah. And now that they're on the back end of that, so, you know, for people to change up positions like Pascal, Scotty, that was almost out of necessity, but it's worked out so well, and that's what's helping them win now. 
Right. And for those who don't know, like Ontario had different health and safety protocols that were uh, different from what the NBA health and safety protocols were. So the Raptors had to go through something completely different than the rest of the league. You know, we saw them win in 2019. There was no respect put on them ahead of time. I remember it. I I remember watching Stephen A. being like, the Bucks are going to play the Warriors in the NBA finals. I will never forget that because I was like, they're going to punch my TV. Um, what have you, I know the team has changed a lot since then, but what have you noticed in terms of how people maybe respond to the Raptors around the league? Is there a different level of respect or are the Raptors still kind of considered this underdog random Canadian team? Yeah, I think they might like to be considered that because it only helps when you're like out on the court, it gives you this like energy of like, oh yeah, y'all don't want to pay attention to us. Cool, cool. We go, we go drop this on you, right? I think maybe sure that's how they might inspire themselves. But listen, at the end of the day, I think what what always surprises me is like talking heads who like to tell on themselves because they don't watch the, the Raptors. Um, You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, how can you say that? But you can barely pronounce five of the players' names. So you're letting me know that you don't even take in their basketball. But what's interesting is when I connect with players on different teams around the league, when they come in Toronto, they're like, nah, this this group's for real. Like, we Mm -hmm. see something. And I think it's something to be said for, like, you know, people in basketball, like, truly understanding basketball and, and understanding that, yeah, sure, they might be, like, in a different country, but that's still a bona fide NBA professional team, and you can't take teams like that lightly. You can't take teams that win lightly um, because at the end of the day, they still have Pascal. They still have Fred. They still have Nick Nurse, you know, at the helm. So, you know, as much as there were pieces lost, there were also pieces gained, um, you know, and, and I think that that's what people might underestimate um, is the work that comes with winning. Um, And when you get a taste of it, I think the hardest part is continuing to win. And I think that that's why they get so on themselves is it's like, okay, we've seen that we can do it now. So how do we like build that consistent winning culture? And I think that's why Messiah has never left because the one was never enough. And I think that's what makes this such a good group is Mm. one is not enough. Interesting. And the fact that it was with Kawhi that was there, that was sort of like that rental piece. Like maybe do you think Masai wants to sort of prove he can do it without getting a superstar like that at the last second? Yeah. And and I think even uh, Kawhi would tell you it wasn't just him, right? Um, I think too, like, you know, we're not going to sit, I'm not going to sit up here and be like, oh my gosh, Kawhi was just like a little small piece. That's not the case. Kawhi was a big piece of this team winning. Let's be very clear about that. Um, But, but I think what will also happen was he was drawing so much double coverage, like so much double teams and and so much attention on the defensive end that it would free up a guy like Pascal to go off. And then Fred even had his own game. And, and then of course you got Kyle, you know, who's not, who's, who's not new to this. He's true to this. Um, And so I, I think that for Masai, when you're building a team, He's always development first. So, you know, as now there's other teams that are, are trying to buy into the G League system, uh, you know, Messiah has always been G League development first. And so you're seeing, you know, I think people forget Fred, Pascal, so many guys were in the G League system. Um, you know, Chris Boucher was in the G League system. And, and then 
look where they're at now. And I think when you have an emphasis on development, that's what shows up, you know, later. That's what's going to give you your flowers later. And so I think for him, it's about how do we almost make this pipeline um, where it's like, you know, you kind of build something where you don't really need to, yeah, you do have to maintain it, but you don't have to put so much thought into it because you know good is still coming. Good is still on the way. You don't have to worry about where you're going to get your next good guy because they're, they're being developed in your house. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. ahead to NBA trade deadline what are you what are you most sort of like interested in seeing develop um in terms of storylines around the league oh oh my gosh I feel like we Julie we had such a weird NBA season I was like wait a second well there was a point Washington was the top of the east I'm like not a single person that I talked to would have picked that team to be you know doing as well as they've been doing Memphis all of a sudden 10 games in a row like I think there's just so many things. And then also, uh, too, and it's it's not to say that I'm one of those person that's people that's going to just rag on officiating. Um, but I feel like we mm-hmm. were introduced to a brand new NBA at the start of the season. Um, obviously, there was emphasis on different types of officiating. Uh, players didn't like it. Some players did. It was a lot more physical. Obviously, I would also say that um, there was overemphasis on certain calls because I think they were just trying to establish a new rule set, which is natural. Um, But we were almost given like a couple of months of like, dude, what the heck is this? Like, what are we right now as a league? And then you get the big O word of opportunity with health and safety protocols. So you're getting guys up 10 days. You're getting new faces that Mm -hmm. you're seeing. And, you know, you're almost like, whoa, like, I I didn't know this guy still had it like that. Like, we got to figure out a way to like work him in or not um and so i think as teams start to get back healthy we'll then start to see okay what do they need and is this a set of some desperation need because health and safety protocols obviously the nba is now changing their thing their their health and safety protocols how long you have to you know Mm -hmm. isolate be away from the team test into whatnot i almost guarantee that that's going to change again um And so I feel like a lot of GMs, a lot of front offices around the league are just like, let's just like wait and see. Let's just wait and see. I don't think anyone's pushing the panic button yet on moves because there's just been so much going on. They're like in the middle of a pandemic like the rest of us, like, let's just all wait and see. When's when's the next when's the next strain? What's that called? (laughs) Like, yeah, we're all just like going with the motions. Everybody's living in the now. (laughs) What do you think? happens with Ben Simmons 
Oh Lord. Oh, but I, 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 I mean, for Doc Rivers' uh, mental health, I, I hope something. I hope clarity. You know, I was in Philly uh, when we were there, and <laughs> obviously reporters have to do their job. I'm one of them, so I can't even like talk too much. But I'm just like, bro, every single day this guy is being asked, "Where is Ben?" And I think as a coach who just is like, yo, we're just trying to get on with it with the guys that we have. It has to be frustrating. As a team, you just want to get on with it and build what you got to build. And I talked to Danny Green, actually, and he was like, yo, <laughs> he's like, listen, we can only as players control what we want to control. Mm-hmm. Why I thought Danny would be a perfect person to talk to is remember when Danny Green was with the Raptors after that championship run, there was a lot of wait and see with what he would do because of what Kawhi would do. So you would figure if Kawhi stayed, maybe Danny would stay. And so you're like in this wait and see. And so now he's in this wait and see with Ben. Um, but I think obviously it's very clear if Ben comes back, that that's, that's going to be awkward. Okay. Let's just give oh, this yeah. situation oh, that he's asking yeah. for um, and, and see what, see what happens. Um, you know, give him to, you know, figure out a way in which, you can set him up in a right situation for himself, but also a better situation for yourself uh, as well as a team and just move forward. Cut the ties. Damn, this is a toxic I know, you can't. You can't go back. It's one you of those. You can't go back. This you is literally toxic. cannot walk back in this that school after toxic. you pranked your teacher like you did. We've talked a lot about hoops, but I want to know more about you and your story, Kayla, because it has been really just wonderful to watch it evolve, watch you on Twitter being such an advocate for black women, for black broadcasters and for yourself. You know, you've made history by being the first black woman to anchor a national highlight show. And in Canada, like from my experience being there, there's not a lot of diversity on television and in media, which I found so uh, um, surprising because I, I've always felt Canada is more progressive than the United States. But when it comes to representation in television, it seems as though it's completely opposite from that. It, have you noticed, or in what way have you noticed, any changes since you have been in this role? Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I wish I could see more. I'll be very honest with you. And, and I have no problem saying that. I, I'm straight up about the fact that I just feel like the momentum, I feel like what had happened was 2020, uh, where there was a lot of conversations about diversity in media, in particular in Canada. And there was a lot of talking and drawing and we're going to do this and X, Y, Z. And we have these tangible items. And here we are in 2022 now when I'm just like, so where are we at, guys? What's, where's mm-hmm. the support? Um, and I think what, what the issue is this pandemic. And the easiest thing to say is, well, we just don't have the budget right now. Or, well, we just don't this. And I'm just like... You know, at some point that can no longer be an excuse. Um, so while I have seen like new faces, which I love and, you know, uh, you know, new people getting opportunity, I think where I'm most focused with my energy is like less talking, more doing. So that's why I created the shift. I'm just like, listen, I just want to come up with something that like I want to see and I think it resonate with an audience and maybe that inspires someone somewhere to to do their own thing. Um, but I think like when we get down to the business of it, welcoming in a bunch of diverse faces is great, but like we also have to talk about like retention, 
How are we making those spaces feel safe? Um, what does the the growth look like? Because I feel like sometimes you're going to see um, at an entry level base, you're going to see a lot of new faces, but there's no plan for growth. There's no mm-hmm. plan for evolution. There's no plan for them to enter the C-suite. So um, I think there's still a lot of work to do, um, but it's laborious. And guess what, Julie, you know this, some people don't like to work. So <laughs> that's where we're at right now in Canada. Yeah, what would you, I mean, you are, from what I would know and see, the only Black woman on television nationally yeah. in Canada. Yeah, I think, and uh, nationally on a consistent basis, I think, uh, you know, obviously Perdita, she holds it down for CBC Sports around, like, Olympics time and stuff, too. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, in this space, it, it predominantly, I guess, would be me. Yeah. Right. And in sports and like yeah. for, for women, for younger women and younger girls who I'm sure reach out to you, young black women who want to be the next Kayla Gray, like what kind of, co- what kind of questions do they ask you and what kind of advice do you give them? What's like the most heartbreaking is a lot of it is appearances and how they talk. And, and I totally get it because I feel like sometimes you have to almost create this like cheat code of like, how do I make people feel comfortable with me first entering through the doors and then being able to wow them with what I can do? And, you know, for me, what I try to respond with is like, no, 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 we, we're not doing that anymore. Because I used to do that where I used to, you know, maybe change how I talked a little bit, dress a little bit, uh, you know, more traditionally professional, I guess, uh, so that people wouldn't like, mm, maybe she shouldn't be in this space. And what it did, who it robbed the most was was me. And then eventually it robbed, you know, people that I work with and people that watch me of who I am and my magic and my light. And so, you know, what I tell people, encourage them is to just show up as themselves authentically. And I think when you start telling stories from that place, beautiful, great things happen. So, you know, unfortunately, I think we're still at a place where like um, young girls coming in feel like they have to maneuver or shift or or kind of jump through hoops in order to get into certain spaces. And so that's what I'm hearing from, you know, people coming in. But hopefully we're getting to a place where they can just show up as is. Right, where the decision makers and the people in charge understand the need for change and for for understanding the diversity that is, is so paramount in sports and, and having the the different backgrounds and the different voices. And, you know, even I've I had women in Canada message me who are black who are like, I I the only role model I have is Kayla Gray. Like we need more people here. And I found that so sad. Like yeah. they were asking me, Oh, it's our women in the States because there's more black women on TV that can also, you know, help me navigate this world. And I was like, wow, that is like, that hurts my heart so much. And I I would illegally stream ESPN. Please don't come for me, anybody. Um, Just so I could watch like Lisa Salters, who's like my goat. Um, You know, I, there just was nobody up here. So I would have to like stream to find black women in these streets doing it. And so that's, that's how I, you know, what, how I got inspired with your show, The Shift, just curious about, you know, you're the executive producer, you're the host. What do you hope people take from it when they watch it? Ooh, um, geez, that our, our, our trauma, and especially for Black History Month, I don't want to see this, um, that our trauma is the only thing that qualifies our content. Um, I think what we've been seeing since 2020, but also in general, uh, when you look at like movies, um, centered around, say, slavery, which obviously it's important to tell that story. Those are the one that those are the ones mostly up for the accolades, right? Like, I feel like 
our trauma has been so glamorized um, that sometimes we forget to sh to highlight our joy and highlight how we're contributing to the world in spaces and in culture. And, and I think when we when we shy away from that, we rob kids of, of dreaming, um, of seeing what they can do and how they can take up space. Everybody that knows me knows that I have this like massive it's not a crush, but just admiration of like a Nigel Sylvester, right? Who's like a creative. Obviously, he's in the BMX space, which is predominantly white, but he's in the fashion space, but he's also in the content creation. And I think that's so important for like my son to see um, that you can be multiple things and you can contribute to culture in so many different ways. And it's, it's important for me to share our history, yes, but also our future um, and our current and our now. And I think that that's what I love about the shift is what we're doing is we are trying to spotlight who we are as people, um, what we like, what we do, um, and 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 how we can authentically show up our, as ourselves and be successful as a show. Um, and so, yeah, that's that was basically like when I was really frustrated at a time of like, you know, people keep doing too much talking about what we're going to see change wise. Let mm -hmm. me try and figure that out with my show. Um, so I would jot down notes on napkins of like what I wanted it to look like. And that the first thing was like, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be joy. Cause I was just so tired at that point of just seeing pain. Mm. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's what people take away. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From it. Subscribe to the Fubo Sports YouTube page for clips and full episodes. Follow us at Fubo Sports on all social media channels. Also available in podcast form wherever you find your favorite pods. Kayla, you are an impressive woman. I congratulate and salute you. Cheers you. to everything. Thanks for everything that little buzz, that 10-something-something something You've morning. accomplished. Uh, so proud that you are a fellow Canadian in everything that you've done. Well, thanks for holding down the fort, truly. And this spicy margarita is good. Not to, like, give myself props, but at 10 something. <laughs> you're like, I'm also pretty good at mixing this drink. And wow. also, you're casually a mom, which we hadn't even had a chance to discuss. But <laughs> Kayla's a mother. She's a working mom. She's, you know, trying to change the history in Canada right now and doing an amazing job at it. So cheers to you. And, you know, thank you so much for drinking and binking with us here today. Where can we find you next? Ooh, um, everywhere. Uh, no, I'm getting at it. So it's at Kayla underscore gray on Twitter, on Instagram, on all the places. 
Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll be talking about season two of The Shift and covering a long Raptors playoff run. Guys, you know where to find all of our social media content on Twitter and Instagram at Fubo Sports, and as well as all of our other episodes of Drinks with Binks on YouTube, Fubo Sports. You can check it out. And until next time, bottoms up, bitches. Mm-hmm. Ha, 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 ha.